Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the center of the hockey universe, this is the Off the Post Podcast. Terry Koshan of the Toronto Sun, who covered the World Juniors for Post Media, was there for the bulk of the tournament and there for the gold medal game. Canada obviously won over Sweden in a thrilling fashion. How's it going, Terry? Good, John. How are you? I'm good. Uh, Good. It was it was a pretty good tournament, and unfortunately, but also you know, interestingly, uh, it ends on kind of a weird note with uh, Elias Anderson of Sweden throwing his silver medal into the crowd to some this all time beauty who has like literally three layers of jerseys on. Um, the, of all guys in the in the rank, he throws it to this super fan who had you know a USA jersey, a Rochester Americans jersey, and a Swedish jersey all in in succession. So um, that was sort of what everyone talked about in in the hours following the gold medal game. It was it was obviously a talker. Um, you know, a lot of people saying he's disrespecting the game. He's you know that that's just something you don't do. And then there's the other side saying, look, he's he's 19. He's very competitive. Uh, what would you do in that situation? Um, I'm curious. Let's let we're going to talk about Canada, and uh, I'm also going to have Chris Peters of ESPN on later uh, to talk about the other teams. But first, let's let's just talk about Elias Anderson for a second. What was your original reaction when you heard or when you saw, because you're in the rink, uh, that right. he, that he threw the medal into the crowd? Well, you know what, John? It was kind of funny. I, we didn't know right away because you know what it's like on deadline. You're scrambling to get down and everything, and and uh, quite frankly, last night when the game ended around 10.30, we had to get downstairs, a lot of us, and uh, get ready for interviews and that. So we didn't necessarily stick around to watch the uh, the post-game festivities, if you will. But, you know, we saw it within minutes uh, after it was posted online. And, um, you know what, I, I don't have a problem with it. I really don't. Uh, it, it's an emotional thing. Uh, you know, it's not only Canada that wants to show up every year at this World Junior and win it. Other kids do as well. Other countries do as well. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, hockey hockey takes it a little too far on, on trying to keep things buttoned down and, and keep the emotions in and all this sort of thing. And God forbid you uh, show up on an opponent and all this sort of thing, John. And and I, he wasn't doing any of those things. It was raw emotion. It was great to see. He's a human being. He's a kid. Fine. No problem. Um, it's now on the other side of that, too. Every time you think you've seen everything in this game, you clearly <laughs> haven't. There are things that are going to happen that uh, surprise us every year. Um, this was an isolated incident last night, and I think you know, kind of what you're getting at too is let's not ta- let's not have it take away from what I thought was was a really quite a good hockey tournament. Uh, fans aside, but uh, no, Anderson, you know what? Good for him. I, I, not good for him, but it's not a problem. I mean, he's emotional. He's going to get upset. Uh, some of the other players were smacking their sticks on the ice. Certainly, we've never seen a medal go to the crowd like that before. But like I say, it's. Um, I, I think at that point, uh, there's, um, you know, you, you can't really blame the kid. It, it was emotion, and uh, you know, that's okay. Yeah, if there's no malicious intent, like, no. if anyone who was watching the game could see how upset he was, he was crying after. Or at least it looked like he was crying. And yeah. you know, he talks to the media after, and you know, it's not like he was like, "Oh, I did it because you know I hate these Canadian guys." It was just like, you know what? I wanted gold. I didn't get it, and. I, I've gotten silvers before, and I don't even I don't even care about those medals. I want gold. Like yeah. it was it, it was coming from a good spot. So um, there's some traditionalists out there that maybe 
uh, like a Don Cherry. We'll see if uh, we're recording this on Saturday afternoon. We'll see what he has to say Saturday night, if anything. Um, But that, that, that that really put a spin on on a gold medal game that was that was pretty thrilling and and you mentioned it in passing there uh, the fans I don't want I don't want to go in deep about it but uh, that's right. obviously uh, you know the the top note in terms of disappointments is is the lack of fans throughout the tournament but they came for the gold medal game and uh, Tyler Steenberger the 13th forward for this Canadian team sort of a, a Cinderella story. Uh, on an individual level, he scores the game winner, his first of the tournament, and uh, gets Canada their second gold in in four years, seventeenth overall at the World Juniors. What what did you think of the gold medal game? Did did you did you see it kind of uh, shaking out this way when when the first period was underway and, and Sweden was actually uh, playing pretty well? Yeah, they were. And you know what, John, uh, the gold medal game overall, the pace was great uh, for the most part. Uh, uh, there was a lot of talk going in of the uh, the talent of the Swedish players, and I, you don't limit that to the uh, forwards, of course, because Rasmus Dahlin is so damn good, and he was again uh, in the gold medal game. But so you had that on one side, you had the depth of Canada on the other, and uh, you're curious to see what was going to happen. And the pace was great. Um, I thought it was the best game in the tournament, although there were some other good ones. Um, but you know what? The, the nice thing about it was too that I've covered a lot of gold medal games in the past where they're over kind of early. And we saw that in the bronze medal game, the USA uh, beating up on the Czechs, uh, taking over at the end of the first period into the second, and that that game was not competitive at all. I thought the one of the more entertaining things about the gold medal game is that we didn't know who was going to win until the last couple of minutes of the game. Yeah, and it could have gone either way. And and had Sweden won, they were they were they would have been full marks for that victory, John. Uh, I thought they would have earned it fine, but the fact is, yeah, I. One of the better heads-up plays I we saw all tournament, Connor Timmons on the pass to Tyler Steenbergen, and um, like you say, it is it is pretty incredible how things turn out. Some of these tournaments in the past, that seventh defenseman, the thirteenth forward for Canada, doesn't see a lot of ice time. Sits on the bench a lot. Steenbergen was on the ice at times during the tournament, didn't get a ton of ice time, but there he is, uh, the game on the line, uh, scoring that goal, and. Um, you know, certainly it's it's a moment that none of those 22 kids will uh, will forget ever, uh, and and definitely not Steenbergen. But I, I just thought that the, um, the the gold medal game was entertaining, exciting, and I'm glad that there were 17,500 people there yeah. to watch it. Uh, that 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 to me was great because it's too bad uh, people missed a lot of good hockey uh, during the previous couple of weeks. I understand that pricing all this was an issue, and there were weather some days, but. Um, it was tough to look around for a lot of those games and see all those empty blue seats. Yeah, this this Canadian team they were they weren't pegged as a favorite. It was basically going into the tournament. It was Sweden, U.S. You know, on paper that yep. they just had a higher talent level. But what what the Canadian brass was was saying from day one was we want to be fast. We want to have a puck moving defensemen to get the puck to our forwards who are you know they're they're highly skilled. They're just not elitely skilled. I'll say. Um, yeah. But but then. You know, they also talked about their depth, and so they're they're kind of preaching all these things, and it actually it, it more or less comes comes true because every forward got at least a goal. The defense had had injuries, and and guys like Connor Timmins uh, shone through, and and really had sort of a uh, um, a coming out party to to most of the hockey world. I mean, how many people uh, knew yep. much about a guy like Connor Timmins, and 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 now you know you could easily make the argument, even though Kale McCarr was was named. Uh, an all-star of, of the tournament, you can make the argument that Connor Timmins was actually their best defenseman. Um, yeah. how, how do you feel Dominic Ducharme, the head coach of this Canadian team, uh, did? Like, how would you grade his his performance as a coach, as a guy who didn't have a McDavid, didn't have a Dylan Strom, but was still capable of, of, of playing well, really wire to wire? The only loss was against uh, the U.S. In, in the outdoor game, and it was it was a shootout. Like there wasn't much to pick at in terms of uh, yeah. uh, you know having poor performances. How would you grade him? Yeah, I'd give him an A. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Uh, they knew going in, John, that they would have to manage this bench wisely because, like you were saying, there wasn't that high end, take your breath away talents that you know you might have seen in a Casey Middlestad, perhaps with the U.S. or. Uh, Philip Zadina with the Czech Republic, or you know Rasmus Dahlin with Sweden coming off the blue line, but what Canada had was was the depth. And Dylan Dubé said it at one point during the earlier part of the tournament. Said, "Look, the four lines that can go out there and put the puck in the net, and it can happen at any time. It wasn't uh, 
you didn't have the uh, necessarily a checking line or, or a line or two that you looked to and thought, okay, well, if these top six don't do something, we're in trouble this afternoon or tonight. Canada's didn't have that. And uh, that was a luxury for Ducharme. But this is the way the team was built coming from the summer as well. I mean, I know that there are some players left off the selection camp roster. Others are not sent home that raised a few eyebrows. But this was kind of the model that Canada wanted uh, really from day one. And Ducharme coming back from last year, John, of course, uh, losing in the gold medal game to the USA. He had that experience of well of coaching in the short-term tournament. We talk about what the seven guys who played last year brought back. Well, it goes for the coaching as well. And when Dominic Ducharme has been through that once, like he was, you get to learn the tendencies, you get to learn what buttons you have to push in a shorter amount of time, all these sorts of things. And um, I, I just love the way that he worked the bench. I love the way that uh, uh, the defense worked. I mean, they, they did have some injuries, like you say, through this. And, and Timmins, uh, I, you, you could make that case for him as being the best D for sure. Um, uh, Kale McCarr stepped up and played some big minutes of some games when other, other people weren't able to do so. You know, yep. Dante Frabro was certain. Kyle Clegg, and of course, Victor Mete missing the whole game. So, um, when you have when you have those uh, challenges as a coaching staff, uh, you have to get it right in the way that you manage your bench. And I think that Ducharme and his uh, people really did that well. And and um, you know, it, it's a credit to them because you're right. Going into it, perhaps maybe they're not your your flashy favorites, uh, but they knew what they were doing, having been there before, having built the team through the camp like they did, and then and then icing a club that really was a solid threat throughout. I mean, every every line that went over the boards could do something. And, and really, the one loss, like you say, it's a shootout loss. It's in an outdoor game. And even Bob Motsko, the American coach, John, said, you know, that was a one-off. We didn't yeah. leave that one. It was, it was like it wasn't even part of the tournament because the, the circumstances were so unusual. So, no, I, I, Ducharme gets an A out of me. There's no, there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, and he was excited as everyone else when they when that uh, final buzzer went last night. Well, and if uh, if we take it a step further and talk about how he handled his job as a spokesperson, I mean, he had the Swiss coach uh, kind of jabbing away, sort of like you know yeah. poking the bear, um, and he yeah. he refused to sort of get involved in the gamesmanship. And you know, it is what it is with the Swiss coach and and his sort of you know uh, waving the white flag before they play, right. afterwards just showering them with praise and sort of. You couldn't really tell if he was playing mind games or, yep. you know, what was going on, th- you know, in his head. But um, Ducharme just seemed to be all business, you know, from, from the start of the tournament to the end. And, and it probably, you know, trickled down to the players. And also, um, no you doubt. know, we, no we, we talk about this team, um, you know, lacking sort of star power. But they still got sure. some, some star performances like that power play, you know, gold medal game aside where they went 0 for 5. Uh, that power yep. play was was scoring every other time they were on the ice, and you yep. had uh, Drake Batherson getting seven goals and four of them on the power play, and he was just one of of, of that unit. Uh, you know, you include guys like Sam Steele and Jordan Cairo, who are high end scorers in junior, but aren't necessarily you know going to translate into you know the the next thirty goal scorer in in the NHL. Maybe they do, but they don't necessarily project to be that way. So, I just found it interesting how. Um, th- this team was sort of assembled with with winning in mind, as opposed to you know maybe taking an Owen Tippett who has uh, some flaws in his game, but is a hell of a scorer. You know, taking these right. lesser known guys, even a Dylan Dubé, even though he's a returnee, he's I don't know what his what his ceiling is. So um, it, it ended up working well, and 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 there, I'm sure the 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 critics would have been out if they lost about oh they didn't have any game breakers, that's why they didn't win the gold medal game. So right. uh, it, it really all went their way. Well, it did. You know what? Had they lost yesterday, and people would have been saying those sorts of things, I think they would have been they would have been wrong because you are playing a great Sweden team in the gold medal game. That's all there is to it. Uh, the Swedes were great, and and uh, had they won, uh, you know, had they won the game, I don't think you necessarily could have pointed many fingers at Canada. But uh, you know, you, you make a good point, John. I mean, these a lot of these players do really good things for their club teams in junior or the NCAA, um, but it, you just didn't necessarily see that uh, that 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 uh, flash or or that brilliance uh, coming in that we've seen with other players in the past that 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 you're um, that you you think you're going to see and, and wind up doing uh, Drake Batherson coming out party for him no doubt about it um, you know Jordan Kyrie is another one who uh, you know we'll see how his, how his uh, NHL winds up yeah. uh, career and winds up going but um, 
there will be players from this team who go on and do really good things in the National Hockey League. Uh, you, and you can't always project. Uh, three years ago, we looked at a guy like Curtis Lazar and said, okay, he's going to go do great things to the Ottawa Senators. Well, that doesn't work out for him, obviously. Uh, get traded to the Calgary Flames. So there are players who will come out of this and be really, really good NHL players. There are players who are going to be on this team, John, that finish their junior careers nicely, head over to Europe, and we never see them again in North America because that happens with this team a lot as well. But, um, you know, the one guy I, I think we should mention too sure. through all of this is Carter Hart. Uh, he came in with the 960 save percentage uh, that he had, had compiled with Everett. Um, so they had that backbone right away, yeah. and I think that's important. There have been a lot of teams, Canadian teams in the past, where the goaltending wasn't necessarily a huge question mark, but it wasn't necessarily ironed out either before the suction camp started and through camp. The day camp started nearly a month ago now in St. Catharines. We knew that Carter Hart was going to be their man in goal. Uh, whoever was going to be backing up might get a game or two is, is what happened with Colton Point. But Carter Hart was going to be the guy. He didn't disappoint at all. Uh, you know, he, he was great yesterday when he had to be. His best game was the gold medal game. And, um, you know, I think that's, that was a real luxury that Canada couldn't necessarily depend on in recent years. And you don't want to go too far with these things because, as we've seen with people like Jeff Glass, uh, Justin Pogge 10, 12 years ago, it doesn't always pan out. But I think the Philadelphia Flyers have had goaltending issues in the past that ride a really, really good prospect here in Carter Hart. And he could be the guy that winds up, uh, you know, being their uh, goaltender uh, the long-term future. Yeah, with that in mind, you know, talking about Carter Hart and how he was, you could make the argument the lone superstar coming into the tournament. I mean, Victor Mete was playing for the Montreal Canadiens, so you can't really discredit him. Um, But, okay, so you're thinking of the roster, you're thinking of how the tournament went and how it unfolded. Does this version of Team Canada remind you of any in the past? Because you've covered at least 10 World Juniors, correct? Like, are are there shades of, of another team that, I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but... Yeah, it's, well, I suppose there are. I mean, I, but I guess the thing with this is I can't, I'll be honest with you, John, I can't remember a Canadian team that just had it from, let's just stay with the Fords, for example, from 1 sure. to 13. Yeah. Um, like I've mentioned, so, like, I mean, and I, I don't count the, uh, the lockout team in, in 2005 that just, you know, ran over everybody. Uh, I believe that Turner was in Grand Forks, um, North Dakota. And one goal because you know they had they had access to players they wouldn't norm- have normally had. Oh, that didn't work, and that didn't work in Ufa Russia a few years ago when the, there was the same circumstance and Canada finished fourth. So, but this this club, um, I think the important thing was and I made the point earlier. It didn't have where like a lot of years where you say, okay, we know that there's a top six, we know that there's a third line that's that's kind of capable somewhat, we know that there's a fourth line that that's that's role is to check and let's just keep our fingers crossed they might get in the offensive zone a bit and do some good things. That was not the case of this Canadian club. And and um, I don't want to – it's a funny thing, though, John. I, I, you wouldn't want to call this a meat-and-potatoes lunch bucket group. No. Because that wouldn't, that wouldn't be fair to it either. But I just think that, you know, having been around this team quite a few years, you know, you had that star – you had the star um, star power in other, in other times. I mean, of course, the most obvious is Connor McDavid a few years ago, what he was able to do um, in Toronto and Montreal. But – you just had that consistency all the way through, and uh, it was a luxury to had, like we said, and and um, like I say, that's only that's only the group up front. The defense was very similar, and you're right. Uh, Montreal Canadiens loan a player, Victor Mete, back. It's really interesting to see now what his hockey future is going to hold. Yes. But, um it's uh, they, they had the same type of thing on the blue line. No one that's going to jump out and say, "Wow, you know, head and shoulders above everybody else." But that's why this group was so good because. They were all that same really good, solid hockey player. And uh, anyone could go out more or less at any time and be very dependable. So, um, But, yeah, you know what you said about Hart being, Hart being that superstar type, perhaps? I wouldn't disagree with that. And uh, when you have that goaltending, John, when you know you have that goaltending, it then enables you to, to maybe do some things to your roster you wouldn't necessarily have done. And um, where you don't have that, that superstar type of player up front, and know that if there are hiccups, your guy is going to be there in the in that. But really, there works. I mean, once you get past, you know, like I said, that outdoor game, whatever. I mean, I thought Casey, Casey Middlestat took that game over for the U.S. had a hell of a game. But uh, you take that out of this equation, and uh, you know, Canada was a solid start start to uh, finish. 
So how many how many World Juniors now is, are in the books for you? Uh, I think it's 13. First wow. one was in 99 in Winnipeg, and I'll tell you, that one was until this year. <laughs> might have been the coldest. Was, <laughs> as, you, as you know. Leave it to Winnipeg. Down in Buffalo. What's that? Leave it to Winnipeg to be the record well, breaker. Yeah, I think it was one in Saskatoon. I didn't do that was even worse, but um, yeah, thirteen. It just, it just, it's, it's always a fun time of year, and you know, it, it's uh, you know the Canadian fans get all riled up and everything. And like we we talked with the attendance, something great this year. But you know, from what we're hearing, things are going well for for ticket sales in Vancouver to this point, Victoria next year, and uh, certainly it's always a, a fun tournament to look forward to. But um, you know, the, the thing for the Canadian players too is they they will now have this going forward that gold medal. It's theirs for life, and uh, these kids are going to be friends for life. There's no doubt about it. You talk to kids today, John, who have won gold medal for Canada in the past, and and they keep tabs with everyone they were teammates with who, who up to them that year. So it's something these kids will remember for forever. Absolutely. All right, Terry, I got to let you go. You got to go to the Leaf game. I'm uh, holding you hostage here. Um, but before you go, what, what's your what's yep. your Twitter handle, and how can people uh, find your fine work? At Gross Toronto Sun, and you know in the Toronto Sun, Post Media, all that sort of thing online in the paper. Um, yeah, back at it with the Maple Leafs and we'll see. And, and uh, you know, it's uh, going to be an interesting finish for them as well. But, but no, it's uh, the World Junior top-notch again this year, John. I think, the, like I said, the hockey was good. And uh, I don't think you really could have asked for a better gold medal game. No, you, you, you put it perfectly. Thanks again, Terry. Thanks, John. All right, that was Terry Koshan of the Toronto Sun. And now on the line, magically, uh, through the power of editing, <laughs> I have Chris Peters here of ESPN. Uh, Chris does a fantastic prospect work for, for ESPN and has, has been following USA Hockey at all different levels for years and years. I've, I've consumed his work for years and years and uh, got a chance to meet him in Buffalo. I was down for a few days, and he was there for, for the whole tournament. And now he's back in the great state of Iowa. How's it going, Chris? <laughs> it's going well, John. I am, uh, I am, uh, yeah, back, back and back to, back to real life. Seems like the world juniors goes on forever. And now I'm, I'm, I'm back to normal or at least as close as I can be at this point, just coming back today. So, uh, but it's good to be home. Yeah. Hopefully you can get your thoughts straight here because when I, when I left the world juniors, the, 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 the you know, I was there for about three days and, you know, I said bye to you, and, and, and this was on, uh, I believe, the 31st, and you had already watched a ton of hockey, and there's no sort of break uh, during the round robin, and you, I, right. I, I knew you needed a day off. And then, and then the next day, you know, you, you can refresh on the first before the medal round starts. So um, what was that? How was the January 1st? Did you just kind of unplug from hockey? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. I, I kind of did, you know, and I didn't completely unplug. Um, I actually was dealing with a bit of a flat tire on my uh, on my rental car, so that was oh, no. that was unpleasant. And then, uh, but yeah, but you know, so I'm dealing with that, and, and then the U.S. announced its Olympic team, and, and that's yes. something that you know I certainly have been tracking closely and kind of had a had a high high level of interest in, even though it's not uh, there's there's not going to be NHL players. I, I I still am fascinated by kind of the roster and, and some of the guys that ended up making the team, and and so I was trying to you know, pay attention to that. So I wasn't completely unplugged except for when I was trying to, you know, replace a, replace a rental car. So luckily, luckily I did. And, and I managed to make it through, but, uh, uh, those Buffalo winners, uh, sure are. <laughs> They'll get you. So, yeah. Okay. Well, let, let's keep it, uh, we, you know, let's start with drafted players. We'll go through a couple guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll get to the, the undrafted players, uh, specifically guys up, for the 2018 draft, uh, who, you know, it was really a really, it was a great tournament for, for undrafted prospects and, and to get uh, them on a big stage and see what they can do. Uh, but first let's keep it with, with the Americans and, uh, talk about Kiefer Bellows. This guy led the tournament in goals. He actually set a record for an American world junior player, uh, most goals with nine and, uh, between him, Casey Middlestat and Brady Kachuk, uh, the Americans, were powered by them. I mean, they, they were sort of uh, running the attack, so to speak. And uh, one thing that I think uh, anyone noticed that, that watched enough U.S. hockey uh, over the last couple of weeks is that this guy has an elite shot and that it's sort of his bread and butter. Um, but let's talk about his ceiling. Uh, Kiefer Bellows, is is he a legit prospect or, or is, you know, how high is this guy's ceiling? 
Yeah, you know, well, he yeah, he's had an NHL shot probably for about the last three or four years. It's it's been remarkable to to kind of watch him. But what he's what he's really needed to do is he's he's had to work on his skating, and I think his skating has taken a step forward this year. And it's always that's always a tough thing uh, to to kind of become a become a better skater when you're you know. 18, 19 years old. Um, it's, it's, it takes a lot of work. I think he's putting the work in and that, and that showed this tournament. I think the most important thing is, is you know, not every guy is going to be able to be the fastest skater, but you got to be able to play with pace still. And that, and sometimes that doesn't necessarily mean, uh, foot speed. And, and so I think that that's the other thing that I've noticed. He, he makes plays at a higher speed now. And that's, that's really important. So I think that that kind of really helps his ceiling. I, you know, I, I, I kind of think that long term, he's probably kind of in the middle six score range. Um, you know, it could be second, third line. Right. Um, you know, I think certainly the high high end um, is is you know a top six score. Um, but I mean, yeah, that his shot is incredible. He's great on the power play. Um, he's not afraid to shoot from anywhere. Uh, the uh, the slap shot that he had against Russia that uh, that ended up winning that game for for the U.S. was absolutely incredible um and just a well-placed shot too on the rush beat beat you know and then it came back to skating he 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 skated hard into that shot and was able to beat a defenseman and so you know that was that's always been the knock on him is, is the skating and i think that that is improving so if that can continue to improve um you know then we start talking about uh, you know, him being a, a higher end scorer, like, you know, potential, uh, 30 goal kind of guy, the way that, the, the way that he shoots. And, and, and it's not just about shooting too. He also gets himself to good scoring areas and, and he takes advantage of, uh, of the opportunities when he does have an open look. So, um, I, I thought that he was, uh, he was pretty great in the, in the tournament. Uh, best that I've seen him play, um, probably in his career, uh, just, you know, in, in the times I've seen him, I haven't seen him much in Portland yet, you know, so I'm interested to right. see kind of how, how that looks. Um, but with team USA, just an incredible player. Yeah. He's based in, in the WHL with the Portland Winterhawks there. And he's a, an Islanders draft pick, which, you know, you're talking about, you know, top six and, and being a trigger man. I mean, we're seeing what Matt Barzell is doing and mind you, Matt Barzell is a more polished player, but adding uh, a guy like him to the Islanders lineup, um, just takes the pressure off John Tavares and gives him, you know, a, a more, uh, I guess, weapons to, to 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 have on his team. Like that's always been the problem with the Islanders. And if you're throwing in Barzell and you're throwing in Bellows and a couple other prospects through their system, all of a sudden they go from uh, a team that had no depth up front to guys that can finish. And and sometimes it just takes having Tavares playing with a guy who can put the puck in the net and and they don't have to be elite in other areas. But that you know that can turn into a guy who's who's very valuable to the to your team, and I don't know when Bellows is necessarily going to play uh, in New York. Who knows? Maybe John Tavares is gone by then. Uh, but if he resigns and Bellows continues on this trajectory, you figure okay, either he slots on Tavares's wing, or you know he's on that second line, or even the third line, and you know all of a sudden uh, the Islanders look all right. <laughs> yeah, there's there, there's a lot of scoring depth at that point, and. You know they've got they're they're pretty good at, at the forward position right now. Um, you know it's been kind of remarkable to see Anders Lee go as this yeah. kind of under the radar guy who's he's always been a tremendous athlete, a physically strong guy. You know skates well enough, and 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 now to to kind of round out his game and his offensive game and become uh, a higher end scorer has, has been a big surprise. So yeah, so. So adding him to the mix, it was, it was kind of interesting. Like throughout the tournament, and, and you know, Bellows obviously gets a lot of mentions. Um, and and but there there are a lot of Islanders fans say we have enough forwards, we need to trade <laughs> him for a defenseman or something. I was like, well, that's t- typically not how it works. Um, you know, you, you're not going to uh, typically you don't trade a, a, a you know a young forward, a former you know a lower first round pick for. Um, you know, for a top four defenseman, that's that's typically not how things go. Yeah, let, let's talk about a defenseman that uh, opened my eyes uh, throughout this these last two weeks, and that's Connor Timmins of Canada. Um, I knew about him, you know, I knew roughly what kind of player he was, but I didn't know that he had uh, such a well-roundedness to his game. He's the one thing, the one word that always sticks out to me or, or comes to my mind when I'm watching him is that he's efficient. He, you know, he's a guy that can probably mm-hmm. eat up a lot of minutes 
um, because just the way his body moves. And he's very smart. He's very cerebral. Um, you know, he's tall. He's agile. He has a good stick. Like, he doesn't exactly use a ton of energy uh, throughout his shifts. Um, he played mainly with Victor Mete at this tournament, uh, one of Canada's most used defensemen, which is, is surprising just you know, based on, you know, training camp and, and the type of players that they had in their lineup. It was sort of, he was sort of an afterthought. You know, it wasn't a surprise that he made the team, but the fact that at the end of this tournament, you could easily argue that he was Canada's best defenseman. I think that's surprising. Um, and, on you know, he assists the gold medal winning goal and also uh, assisted the non-goal, the goal that didn't count for Canada in the gold medal game too, uh, the Dylan Dubé goal. Like he was, he was just, he was a force, but also at the same time, he's not, he's not a typical, you know, guy that's going to take you out of your seats. He does a lot of the little things right. What did you think of Connor Timmons and did you think, or did you know much about him and did you think he was this good? Yeah, well, no, a lot of it comes from the the uh, the chatter that I've been hearing coming into the tournament, and uh, he he seemed to really be raising his profile and raising his his stock as a prospect, um, and and I think that you know he's it, for for a lot of the same reasons that you just mentioned, you know the the two way nature of his game. I mean, the vision to find Steenberg and on that on that. Uh, on that game-winning goal in that pressure situation, and I mean that was just an absolutely perfect pass and a little bit of hesitation to to, to make sure he got it right on his tape. There, it was it was a, just a tr- tremendous play, um, you know. And I I think he certainly looked better than I expected in this tournament. I, I wondered, you know, based on how things were going to shake out for Canada, like what what the depth chart was going to look like. Um, you know, and, and I think that he obviously earned a role and, and, and performed it perfectly. Um, and the fact that Canada went through uh, a lot of issues with injuries on the back end, they really needed guys like him to step up, and, and he did when, when needed. And, and I think that that was, that was so key. And certainly to me looked to be, you know, one of Canada's most effective defensemen um, in the gold medal game and, and you know, getting, getting tough, uh, tough matchups, tough minutes, and, and, and still performing at a high level. Um, that, that was really impressive. So, yeah, you know, I think that he, he certainly has been trending up already and this will really yeah. send his stock kind of through the roof, um, among, among scouts, among, you know, I'm sure among executives, um, you have a big performance at the, at the world juniors and that stands out. People will remember that. I think that, that he absolutely was. I know that there were, um, I, I'm sure he was on a few of the all-star team ballots, uh, that, that were passed out, um, you know, but it was just kind of remarkable for this Canadian team. It, it never felt like anybody stood out above the rest in the entire tournament, um, and he very quietly um, had this just really dominant at times tournament. And so he's yeah he he was uh, he was excellent in this one. Yeah, you mentioned the All Star team, so it ended up being uh, Philip Gustafsson, the Swedish goalie. He was named top goalie. Uh, Casey Middlestad was on the All-Star team. He was named MVP of the entire tournament, as well as the top forward. And then uh, Czech forward, who we'll talk about in a bit, uh, Philip Zadina, also on the All-Star team. Kiefer Bellows on the All-Star team, so that rounds out the forwards. And then on defense, Kale McCarr of Canada and Rasmus Dahlin of, uh, of the Swedish team. Uh, he ended up being the top defenseman. We'll talk about him in a bit. Um, but first, to, to end off uh, drafted guys... Um, I didn't want to go. I don't want to go down a list here of, of ten guys. Well, we don't have you all day here. We'll, we'll just talk about three guys. So with with the Swedish team, Elias Pettersson came into the tournament with uh, a lot of hype, um, rightfully so. Thirty five points in twenty six uh, Swedish elite Swedish hockey league games. Um, that, you know it'll do that. And he's a fifth a fifth uh, overall pick of, of Vancouver. Um, highlight real goals throughout the tournament. Um, he had an especially nice snipe versus the Czechs. And then uh, had that crazy dangle uh, versus Swiss. Um, he sort of set up camp on on that Swedish power play and uh, was the main uh, trigger man. Or I mean, I don't even know if trigger man's, but he was the main sort of artery. He was making great passes and also uh, releasing shots. And I don't know if I'm if I'm seeing this properly because you're 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 better as evaluator of talent than me. But his shots kind of reminds me of Austin Matthews and Nikita Kucherov. Just just a shot and the way he uses it in terms of using defenders to to screen the goalie and to also kind of hide his release. That's one thing I mm-hmm. noticed uh, looking back at his goals is that, he, you know, he's not just shooting at the net. He's sort of he's planning uh, his release perfectly and it's sort of deceptive 
Um, what did you think of Pedersen? Because, he, as I said, comes in with with uh, a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, hype and hoopla around him and then delivers, at least on the power play. I don't know what you thought of him on on 5-on-5. Five five. Well, yeah, you know, uh, just to just to go circle back to the shot real quick, I think that he, he is a, a lot of the players right now, the top scoring young players that are that are coming into the league um, have done more with release points and, um, you know, changing the shot angle uh, using defensemen, I think it's I think it's starting to become the norm. I I'm, I certainly think that that Austin Matthews has kind of this. He has release points that nobody else does at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that's kind of that's kind of the the thing where I think a lot a lot more players are going to try to emulate that. Uh, I thought a really good example of that was Pedersen's goal against the U.S. on the power play. Uh, just kind of t- pulled it in a little tight. You know, use the defenseman. And just absolutely sniped it. Um, I think he's a you know a tremendous uh, offensive talent. Um, one of the things that, that I did want to see in this tournament was how is he going to do uh, with limited time and space, and, and and how is he going to do in five on five? And he he made his bread on the power play. There's no question. I mean he he was uh, primarily most of his points came on the power play. Um, he you know definitely deals better with space. What I saw against Canada in the gold medal game, I was really that that was the game where I was like I got to see what this kid can do yeah. in this tournament. What I what I think what I liked about him in that game was that he was not afraid to hold the puck to 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 make to try to make plays. What I didn't love is that he got himself into trouble a lot with because of that. You know, I mean, so it's it's kind of a, it's 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 the good and the bad. Like I I want to see him try that. But he would—he didn't really succeed at it. He was losing the puck a lot. He was getting, you know, taken off the puck. Um, but there were other times where I saw him starting to use his body more. Now he needs to get stronger. There's yeah, no question kind of about slight. that. He is, yeah, he, he he protects the puck fine because of his height. But he need, if he bulks up, he's going to be really difficult to get the puck from. And and you know he has the the one thing like a big difference. I think a lot of people paid attention to Alex Nylander too, and I think the big difference between Pedersen and Nylander as two really good scorers, is that Pedersen has the ability to beat guys one-on-one. Nylander needs more of a he, – he needs – he doesn't always create his own chances. Yeah. I think Pedersen can. Um, I, I, we still need to see more at five-on-five, five, and I think that that is going to come with strength. And if he does get stronger, um, I think it will just round out his game a bit more. But there's no question the skills are there and the, the, the hockey sense is there, the vision is there. So I, I, I really think that – he, he is a special player. He's got some special skills, um, but he is absolutely going to, uh, you know, if he can bulk up, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not a hundred. I'm sure Canucks fans want him right away. I don't know if that's the, the right move for his development. Um, and especially, you know, he is dominating the Swedish league right now, uh, but he is also on a team that's, that's especially good. He's right. surrounded by talent. He's in a good position. So you have to, you know, not not to take any anything away from what he's done because that production is just silly right now. But there's there's certainly there's more that needs to happen before that he can can make that jump and be an impact player at the NHL level. Okay, let, let's transition to 2018 NHL draft prospects, and you know the star of the show. It's going to be like this, wire to wire, I, I, barring something dramatic. Rasmus Dahlin, I, I, you know, first of all, I keep, I keep saying Dahlin and then Dahlin. I keep going back and <laughs> we forth. We all do. I think it's Dahlin. Um, so, it is Dahlin. Yeah, like, like spleen. It rhymes with spleen. Um, so he was absolutely as advertised in, in this tournament. Phenomenal. Uh, you know, an effortless skater, effortless, you know, playmaker. Uh, didn't end up scoring, but, hey, he had his chances. Um, a couple of, you know, Ray Ferraro on, on the broadcast – compared him to Nick Lidstrom. Um, I was talking to an agent. They said, you know, I, I see a little Victor Hedman in him. Uh, like, you know, there, there's always the the Eric Carlson because he's, he's Swedish. Um, like, you go <laughs> up and, like, it's just, it's getting kind of silly. But also, I, I've seen Nick Lidstrom uh, quote, quoted as saying, you know, Brian Leach. So all these, all these praise, all this praise, and, and I think it, it's more or less warranted. Um what did you think of his performance, and and then we'll go through uh, the other big names uh, coming up for the draft. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I won't. I don't want to like belabor the point here because he. 
I think we all know where he's going to go. But what I think, you know, what impressed me throughout the tournament um, was he's got the spotlight on him. He wanted the spotlight on him. Yeah. And he didn't. He's not. He's not a kid that gives a great quote. He's not. He, he doesn't come off as cocky. He, he's a, seems like a very humble kid. But when he's on the ice, he he commands all of your attention, and he he drives on it. And I thought he was fine in the gold medal game. It was probably not his best game. I think that they tried to rattle him a bit, and it, and it worked to a certain extent. But he's 17 years old. That that's not going to bother me too much. I think that there was. There, there were so many things that he did in that game that you know gave his team a chance. And when he's on the ice, Sweden's going to have the puck a whole lot, or who, which, whatever team he's on, he's going to have the puck a whole lot. Um, he's confident. He's, uh, I think he's a genius in terms of the way that he sees the ice. I, I you know, I've, I've been asking around, and like, I just don't know. You know, we think about recent top, top end defensemen that have been selected in the draft and you know, where is he versus Ekblad right now way right. ahead where is he versus Seth Jones right now way ahead I mean it's, it's unbelievable to me uh, the way that he has uh, kind of taken his game from where it was last year to making it better and I think you know one of the things I really wanted to pay attention to it was difficult to evaluate because they just had the puck the whole time is how he would do in his own zone great awareness back there excellent footwork um you know he 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 did that uh the first Canada goal I don't know if there's anything he could have done differently I thought Jordan Cairo made a great play to make the pass I thought Deline you know maybe he could have stepped up a little bit earlier but you have to respect Cairo's skill as well and you don't want to you don't want to uh you know make make the first move and then uh it was just a great play so but I I think he keeps everything it's really difficult to get around him he's got good length He, he Reeds plays extremely well, and his footwork is incredible. So, um, you know, I, I think that that's uh, – he, he's the total package. I mean, I just I, – I, have, I, I haven't really seen a defenseman at his age play the way that he plays. And, I, I mean, I, Hedman has been brought up in terms of not just necessarily a comparison, but just his – where he was at, at the same age. Yeah. And uh, everybody says that, that Darlene is ahead at this point. So, um, yeah, it's 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 – it's incredible to me that that he exists basically (laughs) (laughs) that he exists in general well the thing is right you can have the best skating in the world you can be you know have the highest skill but unless you you know you have to have the hockey sense the hockey iq for that all to translate like Connor mcdavid you could argue is you know well skating is is, might be his best attribute but i mean if, if his brain's not at that elite level I don't know if he's if he's as dominant, right? So that's sort of where Darlene seems to separate himself from the pack because, you know, at this tournament, we saw some other incredible talents with Andrei Sveshnikov, uh, Philip Zadina, Brady Kachuk, Quinn Hughes, all those guys, plus Adam Boyquist, who didn't make the Swedish team. That second tier, uh, which, which, you know, I'll hear from you in a second if Sveshnikov is a set of, uh, ahead of those other guys, um, but that second tier isn't right, right below Darlene. It seems like they're 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 a little down down a couple pegs just based on Darlene's you know brilliance. Um, let's talk about uh, Sveshnikov, sparsely used by the Russian team, um, but seemed to still have a decent tournament. It's one of those things where I think some people might be getting caught up in in uh, the World Junior uh, sample size, uh, the small tournament. And getting maybe overly excited by a guy like Philip Sedina or a guy like Brady Kachuk, like is is Sveshnikov still in your mind the number two prospect? Yeah, he he is, he is, and and I knew going into this tournament that I was not, you know, I, what he did in this tournament was not necessarily going to um, make a huge impact on my assessment because Valerie Bragan, the head coach leans on 19-year-olds. He likes his older players. He doesn't. The, the, the younger players have a pretty short leash. Um, I figured Svechnikov would essentially be their last forward, um, and that's what he was. And I don't necessarily agree with that decision by, by the head coach, but I, I also can't argue with the fact that the guy won seven medals yeah. in a row. <laughs> you know, so that's, that's, you know, that, that's a whole thing. So, so it's all about team, and in and, 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 and Russia's system, typically, um, at least in Valerie Bragan's system, an individual is not going to stand out. But I think what's important to know is that not only did they, they use him you know, 
sparsely, but they they put him in a position to succeed by having him play a lot with Clem Costin, giving him opportunities on the power play. Um, the things that I see that that he does at the OHL level that he did in USHL last year, he's he's obviously a very strong player. He, you know, he he was very difficult to take the puck off take off of the puck in this tournament. Uh, he's got a great outside power move that that you know I've seen several prospects in the past. It's something that it you have to kind of open up your 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 bag of tricks and and find new ways to do it. But he's got a power game to is, him. Is that sort of um, like a Rick Nash? Is that where you're coming from with the power move? Well, yeah, you know it's it's funny. He has he has a very similar move. It's I don't want to like make this comparison, but like uh, just having seen it. A lot of times from both of them, this this outside power move coming down the right wing, and then Brandon Saad was as a as a 17 year old in his draft minus one year, I guess, because he was a late birthday. Right. Um, <laughs> was doing that same kind of thing in the USHL, and I saw Svechnikov do it a ton last year, and I've seen him do it a few times uh, with Barry as well, where you just you know you're taking you're taking the D wide, and then you once you you make your cut, he has no chance, yeah. and, and it's. It's 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 kind of amazing to see him do that. But but the other thing too that that he does so well is he you know he he takes advantage of the shots that he gets and he's a guy if you give any amount of space the puck's going in, um, you know and that's just similar to Zadina in, in, in that regard as well. But I, I think that you know the, the the power elements in his game and his his, his high end uh, hockey sense are, are are up there too. So yeah, so he hasn't moved down. Um, and I think you're right. You have to be careful with the World Juniors. You can really get sucked in and just kind of. Wow, this guy really had had an incredible performance. But context is always, or, or, or didn't have an incredible performance. But context is always key, um, and knowing kind of what 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 else was happening with that team. Where what is that coach like? What is the role being played? Um, you know, who are they playing with? Uh, those are all things that matter. And, and I think in Svechnikov's case, um, I don't think anything happened in the World Juniors to hurt his stock. I don't know that anything happened to necessarily help it, um, but and I, and I I think it's fair to say that he has more competition for the number two. But as far as I'm concerned, he's still number two in my book. Okay, well let's talk about three. So uh, you got Brady Kachuk, this kind of skillful brat. We'll call him uh, toes the line between you know maybe too dirty and perfectly fine dirty. Um, can skate and score. We saw that in the the outdoor game where. He went basically from the red line to Canada's net and just had a stick on on the ice and boom in the net from Casey Middlestat. Um, finished with three goals, six assists. Uh, a lot, you know. He, he's he's a, he's a player that's going to sell tickets at the NHL level, and he's also, um, you know, he's got a mean side to him, which which you don't see that often now, uh, especially you know uh, within players that are. Our uh, actual like high end prospects, so he he's a very intriguing guy. Uh, and then you have Philip Zadina of the Czech Republic, uh, really good in small spaces, good lateral quickness, uh, excellent shot. His coach called him a shark, which which is a great way to to uh, describe yeah. him. Um, had a goal per game at, at the World Juniors. Um, I was talking to a scout, and they they questioned his motor a little bit. You know, the odd time he, he takes his foot off the gas, which you know we'll see if that. That turns out to be true over the course of the rest of his draft year. Um, where do you see those two and, and, and the number three spot? And, and let, let's keep in mind, too, that we're just past the halfway point of, of the season. A lot can happen. But um, it seems like those two are sort of, and 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 depending on who you talk to, Sveshnikov are, are battling for two, three, and four. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, and I think opinions are certainly going to vary. Um, I know that you know Brady Kachuk did more for his draft stock. Now, mainly because you know it's it's kind of been a tough season to this point for him and, and Boston University, um, you know, so that's kind of been been difficult to uh, you know kind of gauge. But I, I think most people are very familiar with his game uh, already and and know that his physical strength. Um, you know, if it's if it's my choice at this point between him and Philip Zadina. I'm actually picking Zadina, <laughs> and I think that, and that's partially based on this tournament, but it's also based on on things he's done in the past, and and certainly the 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 way he's producing in the in the queue right now. Yeah. Um, but to see him in this tournament, I think that what what he does um, that makes him such you know a potential elite offensive player 
um, is he, he can, you don't have to create opportunities for him. He can make them happen himself. And, you know, I look at a guy like, like Ailey Tolvanen or Pedersen, as we talked about a little bit, uh, or, or Nylander rather that we talked about a little bit is, you know, they, they, they need somebody to kind of help them create their chances. I think Zadina can do it on his own. Um, and there were times where he had to do it on his own in this tournament. Uh, the fact that, that he played so many minutes and really when he was on the ice, they were, the checks were always a threat. I think in the last two games of the tournament, I think he was spent. Uh, I, yeah. you know, the amount that that group had to play, it's not the same thing of Libor Hayek, their number one defenseman, Martin Nechas, uh, their number one center. Um, they were just, it, you know, they had been leaned on so heavily and had to be. And they're the reason that they ended up playing for a medal. Um, but, but yeah, Zadina, the release on his shot, the, the, he's got, he's got strength. He's got good physical strength, protects the puck very well. He knows kind of how to, knows his way around the offensive zone. He definitely needs to work on his, his, his defending. And, mm-hmm. but, but I feel like we saw strides there in this tournament as well, where, where he had to commit to, playing you know a, not necessarily a 200 foot game but he had he you know he had to play um he had he had to be active and engaged in the defensive zone and i think he was and, and that's important and that shows his commitment i also think that there's a character factor and with with both guys I, that's that's not going to be an issue for either of them i think that zadina is legitimately a star player he has star potential i think he carries himself like a star he understands you know kind of that whole you know there's just an aura about him right when in speaking with him in watching him play he feels like he can do anything out there and i think a lot of times you know he's going to be able to do it you know against lesser opponents and and i think that uh that he was you know the, the fact that the czechs were able to beat russia who can really slow down offensive teams um, and just really make things difficult for you. It says a lot about what the Czechs did all tournament. Um, and they, you know, that was such a great start for them and it put them off on the right foot. And, and I think Zadina is a big part of that. So, uh, but, but just to circle back to Kachuk, I think that we saw him make an impact in so many different ways for the U.S. Obviously the numbers were great. Um, but what, what sticks out to me is that they could put him on any line. And they did at times in this tournament. He, he played on three different lines, played three different centers, um, and always made an impact. He, he was he was always able to make an impact no matter what. Um, if he wasn't the best forward on the line, it was Casey Middlestat, and you know. But that <laughs> that's a that's a pretty good guy to go uh, if you're if you're yeah kind of like ranking head to head. But yeah. but I think that those two guys. Um, were just incredible and and really for for Kachuk I think we saw how smart he is um how he is able to use his physicality most effectively in creating turnovers and making defensemen a little bit worried on the forecheck um you know he's 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 not a, a, a an amazing skater but I don't think it's a really a hindrance I think he's he's got power in his stride and he uses his feet well and uses his body well and um I just I thought he was excellent all game, and, and Bob Mosco, the head coach of Team USA, I mean, really, I, I, I thought at one point he was strongly considering adopting him because uh, <laughs> put in the adoption page. I don't know if Keith would be uh, interested in that, but <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I don't think so. I think I think they like that little dynamic they got going there at the the old Kachuk family, but um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's big credit to Keith for for for. You know, coaching his sons up a little bit because they they certainly, you know, sons don't always play like their dads. I, I think both of them, both of them do, um, and they they do it in the best possible way as well. Where yeah, they're not meatheads, well. right? They have a ton of skill. They just have that edge to their game, which correct adds another yeah. layer, adds another element that you don't see in every high end player. Right, right, and the and the desire, just the desire right. to be nasty. And the, and, the, and the joy that comes from it, which is kind of the scary thing for both of them, makes <laughs> you think they might be a little bit messed up. Um, but 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 it, and it, it's entertaining to watch. It's it's so. I thought Brady Kachuk was just entertaining. He was he was it was it was good theater, and, and that was that's kind of the added bonus with him, I guess. But yeah, but I think you know, based on the way the rest of his season goes, if he can use this tournament as a springboard, 
I mean, I think there's a good chance that there that there are gonna there's gonna be a team depending on who's there at the end of the season that would say, hey, maybe maybe we got to have him at number two on our board, and a lot of it's gonna have to do with that nastiness mixed in with this high end offensive ability. Yeah, this the top of this draft is is turning out to be very intriguing. Like a lot of players with good stories and and you know versatile skill sets i know that the draft as a whole at least from what i've heard you probably would have a better uh angle on this but isn't like phenomenal um but it'll be it'll be really a fun second half and before i let you go i want to ask you about one final guy quinn hughes of the united states uh not used a ton uh but when he was out there i couldn't i couldn't take my eyes off him he's a tremendous skater and his, his ability to sort of maneuver around sticks and bodies and and just sort of hold on to the puck like he I think he really enjoys just doing laps around the rink I bet you if if you put him out there uh just with with one puck and he would just do laps I don't know if he would even shoot <laughs> he just he just seems to love to skate um what's your scouting report on on Quinn Hughes and, and what did you think of his tournament yeah well you know it, it was it was unquestionably a frustrating tournament for him personally um i talked to him after it was over and, and what i liked about it is that that he 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 was not shy about the fact that it was frustrating to not play as much as he expected he would in this tournament um and he was okay with accepting the role that he had didn't like it but he was okay he did what he had to do and then you know so then i asked him i was like okay well what's what's next for you you know what? What are you? What are you going to do the rest of the season? And he says, "My goal is to dominate." <laughs> that's great. I mean, like, you know, and you, I was like, "That's a perfect answer because this is a kid that that just went through maybe the first stretch of adversity in his career." I mean, people have always said he's he's you know too small, doesn't defend well. Um, one of the things that that I that stood out to me is that he actually does defend well. He huh. he does not have a big frame. What 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 the prop the problem in his game at this point is he can he can overcomplicate things at times but I think defensively he's fine he he has very strong legs he gets in the way really well he actually stripped Dolan uh, Darlene on one on one little little play where Darlene was trying to get around him and because Quinn is such a great skater yeah it couldn't happen and I think when he's going stride for stride with a forward and the forward tries to cut in, we saw a couple instances of this. I said maybe three, four times where it was a bigger forward against him. They try to cut in and he just leaned into the guy and it, and he couldn't get in. And I think that's, that's, that speaks to the power of his, is his legs. And, you know, he's certainly not a physical specimen at all. I mean, you know, he, he still looks very, very kid-like he's, he's undersized, but that skating ability is just remarkable. And I think hockey sense is huge for him. Now he, but but as I said, it, it can overcomplicate overcomplicate things sometimes. Uh, he sees the ice really well, but he also wants to take risks, and I think he's got to make them a little more calculated. But I I've watched him with Michigan live once this year, and I've seen him on TV a bunch. And when he is on the ice, that is a different hockey team. They are they are he tilts the ice, he takes over shifts, and he can take over games. He didn't do that here. But I don't think that that's going to be a huge problem going forward because the rest of his game is is really, I think, strong, improving. There's mm-hmm. a lot that's that's happening with him. I still think he's, you know, a top ten pick. I think he's, you know, potentially top seven pick. Um, and I, I mean, I, I really like him too. I just, I haven't seen many defensemen, particularly among American kids, that play like him. And uh, it certainly excites me as a as a as a fan of hockey. You know, as a talent evaluator, sure he takes risks, but I, I, I think there's a lot there, and I think he's only going to get better with experience. Yeah, he, like we talk about all the guys at the top of the draft. He just seems like the youngest. I don't know if he like technically is, but he just seems uh, like a little too raw. A guy who kind of needs to figure out a thing here or there. Whereas the other guys, uh, maybe they're just further along, uh, like closer to their ceiling, if that makes sense. Whereas. Quinn Hughes is just like kind of getting started. It seems like. Yeah, I, I think that's a good. I think that's a good way to put it because they're, you know, I, I think Bob Mosco had said it well. He said a lot of the mistakes that his team made were mistakes from the heart. They were they were trying to do the right thing. It just didn't happen. I think for him, it's just some of those plays, and also I think there's something to be said. He was kind of fighting it because you know you start he started off fine against Denmark. Really was fine. Um, 
or he got burned a little bit in the Slovakia game, I think once, and then also uh, took a penalty late against Canada, and that was pretty much the end of the tournament for him in terms of being an impact player for USA. And uh, and I think that that he still handled when he was out there. He made things happen, and I, I think that there's a lot to be a lot left for him to prove this season. And I think that he's going to be given the opportunity to do it at Michigan because they desperately need him uh, to to kind of be their go-to guy. All right, Chris, a pleasure having you on, and uh, we're going to have to do this again towards the end of the year. But first, before I let you go, uh, how can people find your work, whether it's Twitter? or online, uh, I guess, ESPN.com? Yeah, well, uh, over on Twitter, it's at Chris M. Peters. And then, yeah, ESPN.com. A lot of my stuff is going to be on Insider, particularly draft stuff. We'll have a big uh, World Juniors piece this week on, on ESPN Insider. So, uh, yeah, if you if you enjoy the stuff on Twitter, there's a lot more uh, on ESPN Insider as well. And, uh, yeah, I'm really, you know, it was a thrill to be at the tournament this year. And I'm really thankful for the opportunity that ESPN gave me to to cover this tournament because I it, it is my favorite, and uh, it was great to be there. So I yeah certainly hope that uh, people come check out our work at ESPN.com. We got a really good hockey team there, um, and uh, yeah we're we're just we're kind of just getting started. So hopefully uh, hopefully people like what we're doing. Awesome, Chris. Thanks again. All right, thanks, John.